0: That do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of the Lord. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we come on this first Sunday of a new year and we want to bless the Lord uh, remembering all your mercies all oh, your kindness and your goodness we acknowledge there have been tough days and hard days and difficult days but here we are this morning in the house of the Lord to worship the great God of heaven bless us in our worship we pray for Jesus sake Amen Everyone, welcome to our service this morning. I trust the Lord will bless you and encourage you. I'm here. God willing, you again. Gary's in Riversfield Pray the Lord will bless him uh, there. Uh, we have a meeting on Thursday in, in the church, uh, a Zoom Bible study. I'm expecting Gary to take that next Sunday. God willing, Roger Cook uh, will be taking our services. our first hymn is 128 128 jesus the name high over all in hell or earth or sky angels and men before it fall and devils fear and fly 1 to
1: Jesus, the name
0: gracious Father, we thank you for an opportunity to come and worship the great God of heaven. Through the Lord Jesus Christ and by we trust the power of the Holy Spirit. We worship the triune Jehovah, the God of the covenant, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we gladly acknowledge this this morning. This is the one to whom we come. This is the one to whom we offer our praise and our worship. This is the one uh, from whom uh, we expect to hear through his word and by his spirit. We come, O Lord God, to worship thee. We pray that thou art bless us as we seek to do this. Uh, this is the first Sunday of a new year. Uh, we may have really reflected upon the last 12 months. And uh, we have to confess, as does the nation, yea, the world. It's been a very difficult world at the time you in a very difficult experience worldwide, things that have happened, pandemics, calamities, and so forth. And we wonder, we really wonder what's happening to this world. We need to be reminded, do we not, that we live in a fallen world. Not only are the men and women in humanity in a fallen state, not in a state of grace, they're fallen creatures, but the world itself, the physical world, is under the curse of God because of man's sin. And yet there's a day coming when there'll be a new heavens and a new earth, be a new creation wherein will, dry, will dwell righteousness. But until that day, we live in that, this fallen world. Some of us have known difficult times, really difficult times, trying times. It would be wonderful if you could face a new year with, with new expectancy, with new faith, and, and look into our God for great things. And yet, Lord, in the real world, we know that things don't change because the date changes and the year changes. The things that will be carried forward. Forward from last year. But what we do ask and what we do plead is for new grace and new strength and new enabling. Whatever uh, this world will throw at us, as it were, wherever may happen personally and in our families and in our communities, we may look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that set before him endured the cross. He spies in the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of majesty and high. We praise you, Lord, that we at Gordon Road are persuaded that our God is a sovereign God. Sovereign in creation and redemption and providence. He orders all things after the counsel of his own will. He doesn't consult with us. He doesn't consult with the angels. He doesn't consult with anything or anyone. He himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, decides what should be done and when it should be done and to whom and for whom it should be done. Lord, although it's hard sometimes to believe that you are in absolute control of the very biggest things in our lives and the smallest things in our lives. Nothing is outside of your school or your care. We pray, O oh Lord, the realization of these things will be helpful to us and encourage us in the days to come. So we pray for one another. You have uh, caused our lot to land here in And We thank you for that. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in as we need our God firstly and foremostly. We need one another. We need one another to share things that perhaps you couldn't share with others outside in the world. Perhaps only all, even of our families they didn't understand the things of God. The things of the Spirit. The things of the Lord Jesus. But not only can we share these things one with another but we can pray for one another. We can care for one another. We can Seek to put that into practice as we speak to them, as we visit them, as we do things for them. Oh Lord, we pray then. Bless this little fellowship at God's room. Think of some who are not with us today uh, for various reasons. Gilgari uh, preaching this morning. Bless him, encourage him, and to take for him after uh, a difficult month or so at least. Perhaps not, Perhaps longer with travelling and various other things. Just bless him and watch over him, and make, make him a real blessing to Jackie at this time. Father, we pray for Maddie We thank you that uh, this year she is still a woman, she is still a wife, but this year she's a mother. We thank you for the safe delivery of every, every Eliza. We pray to bless her and Dad and the whole wider family. And may they be a blessing to those of the family who are outside of the kingdom. It's a strange, strange thing. But often grandchildren can be a real blessing to grandparents in not just a physical, normal, natural way, but in a spiritual way so we commit the whole family to them. And there are others, Lord, with long-term concerns and illnesses and problems. Oh, be near your people. Father, your son describes you as a heavenly father who cares for his people. Your son describes you as one who cares for the sparrows. And your son says, how much more? How much more does your heavenly father care for you? The very hairs of your head, Oh, Lord, we thank you what your son said about you is true, absolutely true. We have experienced some of that. And, Lord, we want to and we need to experience more of it in the days to come. It's gracious, it's wonderful, it's ever-loving, heavenly Father. We pray that you bless us then this morning. We're not so many. Some will be not here because they cannot come. They'd love to be here. Just bless them, we pray. Think. Others could come. They could have got out of bed. They could have dressed and got on a bus or walked or got in the car or whatever. But they're not here. Somehow the love of the Lord Jesus is waning. Some of the love, somehow the love for his people is waning. Somehow it's not the eagerness there once was. This excuse keeps them away. Oh, Father, may 2022 may be a year when backsliders are restored and folk who are far away may be brought nigh, not just to the fellowship, not just to the church, not just to this church, but back unto God, back unto the one who loves them with an everlasting love. We are fearful as we read Our Lord's words to the church at Ephesus have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. Oh Father, may this year be a year when some of those are brought back to love the Lord Jesus as once they did. And for us all, we need to be revived. We need to be stirred up. So much is happening. Lord, just come to us and help us and bless us that we may rejoice in the Lord our God hear us Father now we pray for Jesus' sake Amen, Amen. Let's see another hymn 743 743 And this is a, a lovely. it's based on the psalm, psalm 121 um, but I must confess it's one of my, my favorites and I can imagine singing this up in the hills of, of, uh, of Scotland um, to, uh, with no accompaniment to, by a presenter and uh, away they go and they sit down to sing it's strange isn't it, they sit down to sing but they stand up to hear God's word be read. well there we are, anyway and to the hills around do I lift up my longing eyes, whence For me shall my salvation come, from whence arise From God the Lord hath come my certainty, from God the Lord, who heaven and earth have made what seven hundred and forty. This morning Before we come to God's word, just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for such great hymn, great words. Just praise you for that. And now, as we consider our dear Savior, help us to understand the words and the application of the words to us this morning. Jesus' sake. Amen. I want us to look at uh, Luke chapter 2 and the passage I have read, and particularly uh, emphasize eventually verse 49. How is it, says Jesus, that you sought me, Joseph and Mary? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? And all Jesus Christ says, How is it? That you sought me, you do not know, it must be about my father's business. I wonder sometimes if, uh, when I use the word significant, you i go, oh, not again. So ever using the word significant? Well, I do so because I think things, passages, are significant. It's not just like a little catchphrase. And there are lots of reasons while this verse and this little passage from 41 to 42 are significant, they're important everybody's pretty important, you know, I keep saying that too everything is important, but this is so significant, it's very significant, there are lots of reasons, Uh, one that came to mind just as I was was in the pulpit was that these are the first recorded words of the Lord Jesus Christ now, I'm sure he said a lot from uh, not long after he was born as he, as he grew he would say things and then uh, lots of other things but this is the first recorded verse now we've had a little baby born to us and we're so grateful uh, and at the moment I assume that she uh, she's kind of, kind of more or less grunting and cooing and not making much noise you know um, but eventually she will say things alright and every parent will long for the word time when she says mama or "dada" or whatever and there's a little baby across the French Mass at home, and I keep saying to the little boy, say Colin, say Uncle Colin. And the mother tells me. Now, just a personal thing. Our daughter was down with her grandson, Elijah, and he's just said the first kind of two words to her. Because Nana moved. He wants to sit on the on the sofa. So the first words he says to my daughter, "Nana, move." I'm going to remember that, and quote it to her oft. "Nana, move." Well, here you are know the first words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the context is strange. We have to go carefully here. We really do, because if you don't go carefully, you can end up with all kinds of weird notions and things. So it starts off, and remember that Luke. Oh, the other thing I should just tell quickly. Last Sunday, I was thinking about these things, and last Sunday I heard a sermon from America by Alistair Begg. Uh, it's going through Luke, and he preached on this passage. Wonderful message. I may borrow some stuff from him. I acknowledge it. I may borrow some stuff. 57, 58 years ago in Wales, we had a Welsh evangelist called David Shepherd. I mentioned him to Dick Saunders when he was alive, and he remembered him when he was. And he preached on this uh, section evangelistically. And I can remember the thrust of it even after all these years. And those two things are going to come together, I trust, uh, this morning. Okay, so Luke, remember, he is writing his gospel because lots of things have been said by others about the Lord Jesus Christ and his life. And so Luke decides, he's obviously an educated man, he's a physician, and he's a historian. And he wants to uh, make sure that what is said about Jesus, his life, his death, his death, death, and all of it, is, is accurate. Stories that can be wild stories. And... So he begins in the first chapter, first one, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order the description of those things which we surely believed among us, even as they were delivered unto us from the beginning, were eyewitnesses, ministers. It seemed good to me as well to write these things to you, Theophilus. So, so Luke is saying, I investigated these things. I looked at these things. And it's a simple thought. And I the beg brought out very well. He said... Luke didn't just sit down in his study and say, right, I'm going to write about Jesus, and he writes pages and pages, and the Spirit is inspired him, and he writes it, and that's it. No, Luke goes out there to talk to people who were alive at the time, who met Jesus, who were involved with Jesus. He would have spoken to the disciples. He would have talked to others. And he would have written it down. And then by the, so that's a physical, natural event. And then by the Spirit, is kept From error. So everything we have in Luke's Gospel is infallibly inspired, inerrant. It is the very Word of God. And so Begg suggests, and I think rightly so, that he would have spoken to Mary. It's Mary's account of what happened. Uh, Who, apart from Joseph, would have known these things? And uh, tradition tells us that after this event, uh, Joseph dies. So, uh, so. Luke is talking to Mary. And you can imagine a historian doing an interview saying, now, can you tell me what happened next? You've told me about the birth and all that and so on. Now, what happened next? And the only thing that happened between the age of one, should we say, and 30 is this. When I say the only thing that happened, I'm not saying that nothing else happened, but nothing of significance happened until the Lord was 30. It's, it's one event. So if there's just this one event that is recorded, surely you agree with me, it must be significant. It must be important. One event. Now Mary was a, a normal mother and mothers and grandmothers love talking about their children and their grandchildren. They could tell you story after story after story and they're nice stories but some of them you know, let's be honest this is one thing that she told Luke. He said, that's important. Right. So, what did Mary say to Jesus? He said, well, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast the Passover. All right. So this is a normal Jewish family going to Jerusalem to this feast. And when he was 12 years old, as Jesus, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom Of the feast. So there were three feasts uh, in uh, Israel that uh, males were expected to attend, right? And uh, this is uh, one of them. We won't go through all the the feasts and things. This is one of them. They were expected annually to go up to the temple. And the Lord Jesus Christ is now 12. You know modern Judaism, when when a boy is 13, he has his bar mitzvah becomes what's called the son of the law. Uh, I'm not so sure if that was what was happening here. He's going to become the son of the law or whatever. But uh, that's the context of it. So they're going up to Jerusalem from Nazareth. Now bear in mind this little family all right, are going up. There are now siblings half siblings if you want to be technical. So there's a family gathering Jesus and brothers and sisters, and they're going up. But also, there'll be other relatives, other neighbors, the whole, almost whole of the village who can go or able to go are going up to Jerusalem. Now, that's important because of what will happen in the moment. So, they're all going up and they're all walking. You know, they couldn't just get on a, a charaban, an old coach, and go up, uh, you know, out in. in. Uh, no, no, they've got to walk. They take provision for them and they walk. And in how far away it is, they might stop overnight and they're all together And but well, they all know one another uh, and uh, that's, well, the love was a great time of, of a real outing you know what outings are like when there's family and friends. friends it's wonderful so off they go and then we're told they returned so we're told they went and they come back oh well that's, that's, that's very interesting ah they returned That is, Joseph, Mary, her siblings, neighbors, friends, they all go back, go home. But the Lord Jesus Christ tarried or waited behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not. Now, this is difficult, right? This is difficult and I go carefully because verse 44 says but they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among the kinsmen and acquaintance so here he is he is still there in Jerusalem we find out what he's doing in a moment he's there, his parents have gone off and he is not with them And I suppose uh, that he was there somewhere. If you've ever had children, or nephews, nieces, this may have happened to you. Two little illustrations of this. One personal, we went with some friends and their family, and their girls and our girls, we all went to to Newquay for a little holiday. And One day we all trooped out with our box of spades and uh, lunch, packed lunch, and all the usual kind of stuff, you know, all the stuff. And we got, went out to the house, locked the door, and went started going down. And all the girls are there and running and playing, all the usual kind of thing, right? And then I don't know for what reason we looked back, and upstairs against the window is our eldest daughter Sarah crying. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, I meant to check with Bill, I can't remember what happened. Whether we were busy sorting things out, as you know about that, you busy sorting things, and off we went, and she was upstairs playing and doing something, but there she was, left behind. But I didn't no, that wasn't too serious, right? I, don't, oh, I hope it didn't affect her for life. I'd have to check. And the other thing, we were involved, but only at a distance. Be flying back from Switzerland, and you know what it's like if you've ever flown. Flown, you're all in there, and somebody's always last, and you're muttering and mumbling, "Why can't they get there on time?" I was there on time. Why are they get there And this couple were, were two man and woman. They were last to get on. And what had happened was this: they were in waiting for the plane, uh, waiting for the gate to open, you know. And they're there. And the little lad, as like little lads do run off and watched the thing. They said, didn't have a care in the world, off here. Eight and nine. Went off so the mother goes to the gate to check in. Father's there. And the father says, Where's little Johnny? Mother says, I thought he was with you. And he says, I thought he was with you. Actually, he wasn't with neither. With, with, with either of them. And Johnny was running around. So then, panic. Right? Stay, Port staff running around and announcements and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and of course it's a foreign country. Eventually they find little Johnny and the three of them get on the port and you know, on board the plane. Aye. Now, that could have been quite innocent. Sadly, today that could have ended tragically. Not a nasty people. You see a little lad in his own, hello, where, where are you? oh I'm just looking. Oh, uh, where's my dad? Oh, I you don't know. You don't have a coffee. Or, you know. oh, uh, Shall I just take you to just show you everything? Where... That's the sad thing that happens. When you go out. So, here's the problem. Who is at fault? Who is at fault? Is there a fault? And I say, I go carefully. Firstly, we need to remember the Lord Jesus Christ is a normal 12-year-old. He is the Son of God. He is pure and perfect for the day he was born. There was no sin in him for 11 years, 12 years, 30 years, 33 years. There was no sin in him whatsoever. As a baby, as a child, as a teenager, as a man, there was no sin in him. So I'm very reluctant to say, Jesus was at fault. He should have been more careful and know where his mum and dad were. He was human. Very human. He was a 12-year-old. And 12-year-olds have very little care about what's going on. But the other thing is, and I don't want to be hypercritical of Mary and Joseph, they should have kept their eye on him now oh, I read stories of somebody uh, mothers in the supermarket and suddenly the little lad you see, little lads we don't do, the little lad is gone. And I've got great sympathy with mothers who are trying to do the shopping, trying to look after the little lad who's going up the trolley and there's probably one in the trolley and, and all of oh suddenly you know and, and gone. I mean, oh you should have looked after him oh, and very couldn't look at kidneys run here and then everywhere. Unless they've actually got a lead around their leg or something so I'm not don't want to be hypercritical nevertheless it seems to me they should be careful. There's a If you revolve your school stuff with kiddies and not only school stuff but elsewhere there's the rule you count them on the bus and you count them off the bus Right? how many kiddies got on the bus? 20. how many kiddies got off the bus? 20. how many went to the shop? 20. how many come back to the shop? 20. how many got back on the bus? 20. Now, if it's 19, you've got a problem. Of suppose if it was 21, you'd have a problem. But if it was 19, you'd say you've got a problem. They should have been a bit more careful. But they assumed it. They assumed it was okay. They assumed it was fine. I couldn't find it. So they go back. And three days, I it's difficult to understand. Why did it take three days? I guess, and this is pure a guess, and you might have a different view, uh, they're looking in all the kind of spots around. Where would a 12-year-old be? Well, you know, they have football in those days, but he'd be playing with the other kids, or he'd be looking jumping and climbing and exploring. And that's the kind of things 12-year-olds do. He could be anywhere in Jerusalem. And they're going here, there, everybody trying to find him. But when they find him, he's in the temple. And he's in there, because that's the way they did things in those days. They sat on the floor, uh, and, and, the, and the congregation would be around, and the rabbis and, and the teachers would, would be there sitting, and they would ask questions and answer questions. They didn't have so much as a sermon uh, as we would have. You know, They read the law, and then they would say, now what do you think of this? How would you understand this? How would you apply this to your own life? And it would be answer questions and answer questions. And you see that through the Gospels, that Jesus asks questions, asks, and answers them, He asks questions, answers, and so forth. That's what he did. So Jesus is there, and uh, he's doing two things. He's hearing what they're saying, and he's asking them questions. Now, bear in mind that the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 40, we're told, And the child grew. He wasn't born one day and a man the next day. He took 30 years to get to be a man. He is developing. He is growing in spirit, wisdom, and grace. He is learning from his parents, from his elders, from those in the temple, in the local synagogue. He is learning as, everybody, as every other boy learns. Now, I, I would suggest he is learning quicker than other boys because there is no sin in him. And sin affects the whole of our being, and it affects our learning. Now, we often think about sin and how it affects this and the other. But I don't know if we, I haven't, anyway, haven't thought about this aspect, that sin affects our natural abilities. Right? There's a problem with us. And this sin, and it affects our emotions, our will, our relationship. It affects everything, and it affects our ability to learn. I never liked learning. I'm in school. I'd be out playing football than learning. Uh, that's because of me. So Jesus learned naturally and normally. But I suspect, I suggest, it, there was an acceleration in his learning. But he didn't know everything at that time. He's a normal, twelve-year-old. So he's there. And what is more amazing, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, why have you done this, blah, 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 blah. Um, why, why have you done this to us? And he said to them, how is it you sought me? Do you not know about my father's business? Now, this is a tremendous, tremendous verse. This, in a sense, sums up the whole of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see this? This first utterance, what Jesus says here to uh, Joseph and Mary, sums up the whole of the rest of his life, his mission, his death, his resurrection, his ascension to glory. It of everything about Jesus. What is Jesus doing? Why did he come? Now you can give lots of answers to this. You can quote me verses. You can quote me what Jesus said later on. I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's true. But this verse... Undergirds, underlines, underscores, everything that Jesus would do, would say, would be. I must be about my Father's business. That's why I have come. That's why I was born. That's why I live. That's why I will die and rise again, to do my Father's business. Now, some versions uh, don't have business, they have fathers I must be about my father's house. Uh, it's, it's a strange thing it's a translation thing neither word is there in the original it's just the father's, whatever belongs to the father that's what Jesus come to do and some say it should be house because that's where he is. Uh, but I would say well that may be true but that's the how being in the house is only part of the business. So everything that belongs to the father the possessive adjective here fathers, everything, the business the house, every single thing that's what Jesus has come to be about the father's business you have a verse like this that he had come not to do his own will but the will of him that sent me that's why I've come, not to do my own business my own will, but my father's business, my father's will now, he speaks in that context as the son of man. Here, with a small s, if you like, uh, the son, albeit a 12-year-old, is the son of man. We know that he's the eternal son of God. It's his business. We don't want to split the Trinity here and and get into complications. We know that the business of the Son is the business of the Father, is the business of the Holy Spirit. One triune God, and this is their business. This is His business. The triune God, it's His business. And all that will come, and Jesus will do and say, That's what I'm doing now. And they understood not. How sad. How sad there's an application here, it's fairly simple and it's for New Year's first Saturday New Year's, two applications one here and one I'll come back to the first thing is what are you doing I say, what are you doing, what am I doing I'm in church, yeah when is your attendance at a place of worship, i.e. this place this morning, is it part of what you are doing for the Father is that what you're wrong? Is your Christian life, a life that is lived, to be about the Father's business? In other words, simply, simple, are, <clears throat> are you doing God's work? However you would define that in your personal life, in your worship, in your fellowship, are you, am I, doing God's work? Are we about the Father's business? Because I have to tell you, dear ones, there's nothing more important for you and for me this morning, this day, this week, this year, than to do the Father's business. We must be about the Father's business. Now, I'm sure we all have thought over well, the next 12 months. a have of what may happen what may happen to us personally, those whom we love, those whom we care for, those for whom we pray. We, we are thinking about ourselves, not in a wrong sense, but in a general sense. Think of what will come of us. Uh, what will become of our fellowship? Uh, Hailsham, uh, Eastport, District, what will become of our nation? We're thinking ahead of what will happen uh, and uh, what, how we will be involved and what will, what are the implications for us. But there is nothing but nothing but nothing dear ones more important that you and I say what can I do to be about my father's business it must be a priority There's the a word they use today I don't like it but it's one of these new words you must prioritize in my day would say you just got to put things in order of most importance prioritize What's important to you? Is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ important to you? And making it known, is it important to you? Is prayer important to you? Is fellowship important to you? Is seeking to live a holy and a godly life, is it important to you? You must be about the Father's business. And then, before we close... This is a evangelistic emphasis. I think the problem back to verse forty-four: that they, supposing him to be in the company, they supposed that they had Jesus with them, and they were wrong. I can see this old Welsh preacher, another old Welsh preacher. Fifty-eight years ago same as. Is Jesus with you? <clears throat> Are you supposing he is with you? Is Jesus with you this morning? Is he your savior? Well, uh, Colin, I I, I I'd like to think so. I suppose he is because well, I'm in a church. I've got Christian friends family, whatever. I try to live, I try to be kind, I try to be nice. uh, uh, I suppose he's with me. But are you sure he's with you? Are you sure this morning that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ is with you? Or are you just supposing? It's so easy to suppose. And to be wrong. To be wrong. How sad it is. That here is this company, Joseph and Mary, and they're assuming Jesus is here somewhere. Well, he's either with Billy or Benjamin or Sam, or he's doing this or he's that. He's with us. He's with somebody. But he's not with somebody. He's not with any of them. He's still in the temple. But they suppose. How sad it is that on the first Sunday in 2022 there are folk like you, like me, some listening and watching uh, by um, uh, virtual websites and so forth, they are supposing that they have Jesus with them. And he is not. Jesus is not with them. They've not taken sufficient care to check. They've never said, is the Lord Jesus with me? I know what the preacher was saying, uh, but is he with me? Am I assuming he's with me? We're not sure. If you've never asked the Lord Jesus to be your Savior, if you've never trusted in him who died on the cross for sinners, if you've never asked him to be in your heart and your life, he is not with you. You say, Colin, that's an awful thing to say. I know. I know it's an awful thing to say. But it's a truthful thing to say. Uh, It's the honest thing to say. I must say it to you. I don't want you to go on into 2022 without Jesus as your Savior. I don't want you to suppose. I've used an illustration off time that Perhaps once, when I first came here, um, I may use it again. At about 15, I'm a train spotter, I confess. I am a train spotter, as was. I went to Swindon from South Wales. Train, actually. I spent the day train spotting. Went back to Cardiff. And some of the boys said, oh, we are going down to Gend, uh, where some of them live. I said, I'll wait for a stopping train. The train goes down. I'll get off of my stop, Get on the train, Cardiff. It's been 10 o'clock, is the last train. I'm there, and I'm weary, and I'm off to sleep. I move along, the train goes on, it passes the station. If your geography isn't very good, these names will be nothing to you. And I'm and having my village. I'm off to go down the Jen. I found it Neath. way past my spot. And suddenly I moved up, and I looked at home. I said, that's been nearly
1: home. That's
0: been nearly home. I supposed that I'd arrived at my destination. Neath, generally. Last train, no way of getting back to that night. And there were a couple sitting opposite this is what they said. Oh, are you all right, Sunny? Are you all right? We didn't like to disturb you. So we let you sleep on. Now, I would preferred, much preferred, if gently or not, uh, the lady or the man would have said... <coughs> Excuse me, Sunny. Are you okay? Uh, what stop do you want? Where do you get off? Are you sure you haven't passed your destination? If they'd said to me, I might have been, been grumpy. But I've been so grateful. Oh, thank you. Yes, next stop. Thank uh, I didn't. I don't. We uh, didn't want to disturb you. I made no apology this morning know you reasonably well some of you very right well I make no apology and any who are watching I make no apology for disturbing you because I do not want to, you to miss your story. I don't want you to go to hell heaven hell only those two and if you're assuming Jesus is with you if you're supposing Jesus is with you and he's not dear ones you'll not get to heaven there's but one train going. And it's the grace train. It's the mercy train. It's the Jesus train. You are not on it with him. You will not be with him in heaven. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this lovely story of the Lord Jesus when he was 12. There are some things we don't understand. We understand that he was about his father's business. We praise you for all that that involved. His life and his death and on behalf of sinners and his resurrection and, and so forth. We thank you for all that. We pray that we who do believe and trust in him, that we might live and do the father's business in the coming 12 months, if you turn. Should there be any here or online, We'll listen perhaps later on if they haven't got Jesus, if they're supposing He is with them and in the company and He's not. Oh, please, Father, have mercy upon such. By Thy sovereign grace, bring them to Yourself to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 They're going to sing a hymn. we know well it's a great hymn it's got some great phrases in it and 766 it's called it is well it is well So 766 when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot has taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul and remember this verse 3 my sin or oh, the bliss of this glorious thought my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul 768
1: well it is well
0: people here and everywhere. Till we meet again and then forever.